Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amidon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amidon Planet production. You hear what I hear? I do hear what you hear. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear what I hear? I I think I hear a little little jingle bell, a little holiday cheer I do hear some holiday cheer. Absolutely. And when I think about holiday cheer, I think about our next guest on the teacher's journey, and that is Dean Rock. Dean, Dean, what? Dean what Rock. Gift. What a gift. And it's a Christmas miracle or a Hanukkah hallelujah or whatever you want to say. But this is uh, to have to have Dean Rock here is a, a great uh, gift to us, Joel. But also he to is the listeners. to the listeners as well. But also. You know, I don't think people, some people might not know that he's sort of like the king of holiday decor in the School of Education. So, Dean Rock, do you already have your, your holiday decor up in your office? Absolutely. It's I, always up. I yep. thought so, yeah. Correct. My door is <laughs> decorated today. Yes, it's true. But <laughs> that's why I asked. There's a giant spider on it. Well, that's okay. You, you're now, <laughs> now you're letting, letting the, uh, what do you call this, industry secrets, or what do you call that? Yeah, inside. Uh, inside yeah. secrets, whatever. I can't think I of I went holiday shopping this weekend. Yeah, we, we're recording the special holiday episode a little early. <laughs> That's um, right. But I, I asked because he always has his holiday decor up, no matter right. what time of year. And it's the tackiest holiday decor I've ever seen. It's not tacky. Well. It's necessary. Necessary. <laughs> it's required. <laughs> what, why, why? Does it make you happy? Does it make you yes, laugh? Yes, it so does. So then why not have it up all the time? Exactly. Fantastic. Amen. All right, so uh, Dean Rock, thank you again for uh, blessing us with your presence. Thank you. And uh, could you, you know, not everyone that listens to this podcast knows who you are, that you're our, our fearless leader here in the School of Education, but could you take just a, a quick uh, moment to uh, introduce yourselves? Uh, David Rock, Dean of the School of Education at the University of Mississippi, uh, proud father of four, uh, married to Michelle, a former elementary teacher who I've learned more about education from my children and my wife than I have from any class. Nice. There you so. go. And Dean Rock, what did you teach when you were? Um, I'm a math teacher. teacher by trade. That's right. Middle school and high school, fifth grade all the way through 12th grade. Nice. Anytime, anywhere. <laughs> and, and some might know you from the all the problems and the math contest and some other thing. Could you just say the math contest.com. If you are looking for a math challenge, you can go to the math contest.com. We've got four different math contests for people all over the world. It's been going on now. Oh, about 23 years. Wow. Um, yes. All over the planet. So very excited about that. I wish more people participated, but if you're tuning in, go to the math contest.com. We have elementary, middle school, we have an open problem every single day, and we have a problem for those people that just think about math every single night. Nice. And we will put all the links in our show notes great. for this. So, that's so great. 23 years, that's what it feels like we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> that's right. Yes. A few <laughs> but it seems like 23 years. All right. Well, yeah, neither of you have gray hair, so no. Oh, no, I have gray hair. Oh, not really. Well, no. no uh, not, Dr. Amadon's younger than me. They weren't even by, in school. By several years, they weren't even in school 23 years ago. Go oh. ahead. All right. Yeah, you're thinking. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Oh, right. That's good. Wasn't in school. Where? Where? Where was I in school? Twenty three years oh, ago. Oh, you were like in I was school. teaching school. Were you? Third grade. Yes, sir. Second year. It's impressive. I know. That's how old I am. Now you told everybody. Third grade. Twenty three years ago. Wow. All right. 
I don't even want to do the math. All right. I was in high school. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Mathematicians. Okay. Right. Fantastic. Go. Well, um, so we're going to start with our interview countdown, uh, Dean Rock. And so one, and, and you know what I thought about this, this, uh, this first thing where we thank three teachers who have shaped our development as a person, where you're going to do that in just a second. I thought about you because I think we did that when you're, that was a big thing was about thanking a teacher. So Correct. you get to thank three teachers right here. So who would you name? Wow. Uh, Doug Brumball, uh, he was a former professor at the University of Central Florida, my mentor by far. Um, Unfortunately, he passed away 12 years ago, uh, but he changed the life of many people who wanted to be teachers, especially mathematics. And he always used the term teacher of mathematics, not mathematics teacher. He believed that people are teachers first Mm -hmm. and then a math teacher second. So definitely shaped what I have done and what I will continue to do. Crazy enough, Alan Bellman, a high school math teacher in 10th grade. Uh, the two people in front of me right now are laughing. I'm not uh, doc- laughing, doctor, no, just yeah, smiling. Dr. Bellman was definitely the craziest math teacher or teacher I've ever had, and he definitely sparked my interest in math probably as much as anybody. Nice. And last one would be my wife, Michelle. Um, if it was not for her, there's no question at all, I would never have become a teacher. Mm. And she definitely cares for kids um, more than any teacher I've ever seen, but I would not be the teacher I am without her. Awesome. That's great. Uh, so, okay, you kind of mentioned it here, but recall two reasons or events that led you to becoming a teacher. So I always tell this story. Um, the oddest part, one of the major events would be my two parents telling me not to become teacher, a teacher. <laughs> so I was in Rebel. college. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, you know, it's funny. I was in college. I decided in probably my junior year that I wanted to be a math teacher. Um, Talked to a lot of people about it. Got all excited. Called my parents. Uh, back then, we had phones on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they both got up on the phone, on two different phones, and I could talk to both of them. I said, I'm excited. I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a math teacher. And they both in unison said, you're not going to college to be a teacher. So they did not attend college, but they did not want me to become a teacher. And literally, they talked me out of it. So I did not become a teacher after I graduated with a math degree. I went back and became a programmer. So that was something I always think about. Um, That was probably the first major impact about me becoming a teacher. And the second would be then later, uh, I met my wife in Orlando, Florida, and I was actually getting my master's in computer science because I was a programmer. And when I met her, she wanted to passionately become a third grade teacher more than anything in the world. And when we started dating, she just said, well, if you love teaching, why in the world wouldn't you become a teacher? So she actually pushed me to really think about it. And while I was getting my master's, I walked to the College of Ed and met this guy, Doug Brumball. And because of that, without Michelle pushing me to do that and saying, you know what, you can do whatever you want, I would never have met him and never become a teacher. And didn't you write a book with Doug? Uh, so, yeah, about about. 15 of them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't for him. There's no question. He impacted everything that I've ever done. Um, but without Michelle, I never would have met him. That's great. Nice. And it, yeah, there's, there's you too. Yeah. Yeah. Two events. Fantastic. And I actually was just talking about Doug Brownbaugh with a, a current um, professor at the uh, University of Central Florida, um, Farshid Safi. Really? Yeah. And so we're just singing his accolades. So I, some fond memories. All right, uh, Dean Rock. So this is uh, called the Teacher's Journey, where we're placing these mile markers on a road to better teaching. So I know you've got one of these. So 
place one mile marker on your path to better teaching, what artifact would you use to represent your mile marker? You, you know, you, I thought about this. I have two. Okay. So I'm going to ask both of you. I have one while I was teaching um, high school, and I have one while I was teaching college. Which would you like? I think the high school. The high school one, yeah, yeah. yes. <sighs> okay, so this mile marker. He seems marker, happy with that decision. All right. Well, um, <laughs> play by play. No names or anything. So while I was teaching high school, 10th grade, um, a student who was doing very well in my class, uh, paid attention, really enjoyed it, um, girl, and um, but wasn't interested in school and many other subjects, but in that subject, she really started to thrive. And then one day she wasn't in school. Hmm. And a f- day later, I heard a few rumors. Next thing I know, um, about three days after that, she came to my class and wanted to say goodbye and basically was expelled from school oh. for a mistake. So this student who started to excel in math and I thought we were really, really getting this student in the right direction and had a passion for math because she made one mistake. Just right there in my class, started crying. Um, I, I did the best I could to console her and at least tell her it, it'll be fine. But she was expelled from that school and had to go somewhere else for a year and did not return. So for me, the issue and while that's why that's such an important mile marker is because we think about teaching classes, but that also started really getting me to think about teaching a student mm. because I had an impact on that student and that student started to excel in math regardless of other subjects. And I lost a chance to impact that student's life and pursue mathematics we always think about the one thing you do in class or outside of class, but it also really got me to think about how what, it's, what a teacher does in a classroom can literally impact a child's journey. And it was the first time I had a student really expelled that couldn't go on for a mistake, and I realized that all kids make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Yeah. And if we judge every single student, especially the ones that are trying and learning, by one mistake that they make, and, and they say that, well, that's the rule, that's the consequence. It doesn't fit every single student. I still have not forgotten that student, and it's just it's something, it's a lesson I learned, so I try to not let a mistake by a student um, really shape who they are and give up on a student. That's really interesting that you brought this up today because I was um, just happened to be to overhear a conversation that one of our wonderful faculty members was having with a student who had made a mistake, literally just about two hours ago. And I was sitting on our front porch in Guyton Hall and on a rocker, and this faculty member was sitting with a student, and I just happened to overhear it because I was there. But the student had made a mistake, and the faculty member was doing an excellent job of talking to the student about, you know what, this is a mistake. This is a time to learn, to grow. Um, You know, you're going to continue in the program. You're going to be just fine. But let's learn from this. And what could we do next time? And just this wonderful conversation. 
it's exactly what you just were talking about and how important it is for the teachers to reach out and, you know, and that we as teachers have an obligation to give second chances, sometimes third chances, you know, or whatever it is that what is the in the best interest of the student? That's exactly it. And it's, you know, what is the best interest in letting that student make a mistake and stay and continue a journey in school or drop out? which I have no idea what happened to the student you're talking about. It doesn't sound like you really do either, but did she drop out? Did she ever come back? Nope. You know, She graduated from high school, um, and that, that was great, and went on to college. But the issue to me was at that time, in that moment, it's such a – it can be a devastating time in that student's mind. Yeah. Even in college, it mean, they may not continue in college. And I try to tell some of these students it really is a bump in the road. When you get older – I mean, those some of those mistakes are literal. They're bumps, mm-hmm. and we penalize our students and and act like it's something catastrophic, and they believe that. And in today's day and age, um, I think we have to be really careful about telling something, telling a student how major something is when it's a bump, mm-hmm. and we can help them grow and learn from that. And so can we. We can learn from that as a teacher as well, and the impact that we have on their lives. Yeah, and I think as teachers, sometimes we're looking for perfection instead of, you know, looking at the student themselves. So it's a great lesson for great. sure. Great, and it's, it's not about a grade. No. Nope, never is. <laughs> well, and, and you're, you're an excellent guest because you went through a couple of my questions without even being prompted. But, like, so thinking about how this is important to your growth as a teacher, I mean, well, let's just take it one step further. You see how this was important to your growth as a, you know, high school teacher, like, and you – how do you see it like playing out in your current role? So this really connects me to the other mile marker, which was kind of interesting too. And it's all about something. I, I did a, a TEDx talk about this. It's all about one student at a time. Even here, it doesn't matter if it's here. It's hard to imagine when you first start teaching, you're teaching an entire class and you're focused on those 25 or 30 students at a time. And you worry about, can you reach all 30 students? And we sometimes forget it still is about one student at a time. If we can have an impact on the one or the two or the three, and that student back then in high school made me realize that student, that, that student needed all of our, our help. I mean, they needed, she needed that help from all of her teachers. And it was just a mistake. When I was a dean in Georgia, I had the fortunate, very fortunate opportunity to hear Anthony Mullen, who's the 2009 Teacher of the Year, speak. And, I, and if I misrepresent this, Anthony, and you ever hear this, please, I'm sorry. I'm just paraphrasing. And very soft-spoken man, former police to, uh, policeman, and decided to retire as a policeman and become a teacher, special education teacher. Wow. For um, children with emotional needs in high school. And he told his story of how he got there and, again, about a student. And what happened, he was called uh, to a possible suicide attempt mm-hmm. to an apartment building. And he got there with his partner, and they saw a young girl on a balcony on an edge thinking about jumping. So he said everything kicked in. They ran upstairs. They got there. They got to the window. They could see the girl. And he started talking to the girl. And as he describes everything, he said that it was just that natural instinct of his. And they were trying to talk her to come in. And she jumped. And at that moment, he said he jumped. 
His partner grabbed his legs. He went out the window. He grabbed her hand, and he's hanging over the edge with the hand of a girl looking at her. And he says in his soft-spoken voice when he told the story, the only thing he could think about was the last thing she would see would be his eyes. And fortunately, he got her back in. Wow. He pulls her back in, you know, um, saves the girl, and he said about a week later, they were driving down that street at night and outside at 8 o'clock around a barrel with a little fire were a bunch of kids just singing, doing what kids do uh, there on that street. And there she was smiling, singing, and happy. And he said, at that moment, when he decided to become a teacher, he said, if I could help that one girl, she could change the world. He said, so his mission when he became a teacher was helping one child at a time overcome some of those issues so that they can be successful. And who knows where that will lead. But he got me thinking, it's just about one student. So when we're in college, and again, we're back to worrying about the whole university. We can't forget the one student. So I, I think that I, I try to listen to that one student. We don't know what they're thinking. So we need to be, I think, better listeners, and we need to be better teachers for one student sometimes than 50. Yep. Nice. Like it. So how does this either mile marker, I mean, well, you kind of these are connected, um, important to the field. So, like, how might you see these as important to these in-task standards, which are, Anne? Interstate Teacher Assessment and Support Consortium. That's right. Core teaching standards. Yeah, so um, at the end of the day, no matter what, um, I don't want to just connect them to one or two. Um, I think teaching the entire child and Mm -hmm. teaching one child um, really addresses almost all the in-test standards. Your issue is standards provide us a framework for what we teach, how we teach, and I think we need those standards. They're very important, just like the NCTM standards. They're very important. But I can't stress enough at the end of the day how important it is to not think it's a one-size-fits-all for every single student. It's not. Um, The NTAS standards, we need that framework for the field, and it really does help drive what we do. But I would highly encourage every teacher to start thinking about how can they help that one student or two students as opposed to all 30 meet every single standard that they're trying to teach. I think even especially today in our framework in K-12, we're so focused on making sure that every student in that classroom achieves that one objective on that day that we forget not every single student is going to meet that objective every day, nor can they. Mm-hmm. They may not be ready. No, mm-hmm. that's correct. Yep. Well, and, and so this is a time when uh, uh, we think, too, about pocket-sized philosophy statements and things. And you kind of talk about these things that guide you as, a, as an educator. So do you have a pocket-sized philosophy statement? I do. Pocket size, again, one student at a time. It's it's it, and I'm going to push that until... The last thing I'll say is, and it's easy for me to talk to the two of you about this, once you have children, Mm -hmm. 
And once you really start seeing how important those, your children are to you, you really start understanding the one child and yeah. why it's so important. And then the next child and the next child and the next child. And that love for that child drives so much of what you do. And teachers have that love for their children. It drives so much of what they do. Right. So how do we foster that? I really do believe that we could do a better job supporting teachers right now. Um, it's been a really crazy, obviously, 18 months and, and two years mm-hmm. for all educators, uh, whether it's K-12 or college. And how can we support our educators so they can support our students right now in the, you know, most upside down learning environment that we've yeah. had probably in the, in the history of the U.S.? Yeah, that's... That doesn't sound too daunting right there. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, no. it, it, yeah. it's, it's, it is daunting, but at the end of the day, we can support our teachers. We yeah. really can. Mm-hmm. They're doing an amazing job out there. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's the thing I keep saying over and over again. It's like seeing what, what are the amazing things that teachers do. Like, well, that is our reality, and that's what I'm going to do, and I figure out how to teach with this Zoom hybrid, whatever, like mass spacing, whatever. They, they figure it out. They have to because they care about the kids, which is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's al- it's almost like, in, in not to get negative, but in a in a way, I think we take advantage of the fact that that teachers are care about the students, and so they're they're not willing to let them fail. So they'll do anything with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of this. Yeah. So they, <laughs> so the nothing keeps getting passed on. Yeah. Uh, no help. No resources. No training. Because the teachers will not stop. They're just not going to stop because it's a human endeavor. And when you care about a human being, you're not going to stop. Yeah. So so this is also a time when we would start dumping resources onto an educator, like things that come up based off the conversation. One is, you already mentioned it, the TEDx talk. We're going to put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. But then also, too, I was curious if there's any other resources you would point to if someone's like, hey, I want to... What does it mean to, to do this, to, to teach one kid at a time? I don't know. Do you have anything that you would point to, given your experience as an educator? You know, I, I would encourage, if you're a parent out there, um, I would encourage you to talk to a teacher. Uh, I really do believe that sometimes we don't do enough of that. Not Don't talk to a teacher, um, or even a teacher, don't talk to the parent just when there's a problem. Mm. Talk to them before. Ask them, what if you're a parent, what you can do to support them. Um, teachers, if you can. Talk to the parent, talk to the communities, the community members out there before their issues. Because how many times have you heard, if I only knew, I would have helped. If I only knew, I would have provided the resources or the funding to actually purchase some of the material in the class. If I only knew, and then as educators, sometimes we're too proud to ask, and we're not communicating probably enough, even in this time, you know, COVID shut us down. We We were locked away. So... While we had Zoom, we weren't communicating and socializing like we needed to. Right. So that's, a, that's something really important. And, you know, while we're talking on that note, too, our kids need socialization. Yeah. So our children need that. That's, a, that's really difficult for us to watch. As parents, we see it, and we know that that's important. Um, but in school, they really do need it. It's not that simple just to put children at home and then expect them to be able to walk back into school a year later and all the socialization is there. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's something that I would highly recommend for all educators and all parents to understand and community members too. If you don't have children, 
please understand this has been a very difficult time, but our teachers have gone way above and beyond utilizing technology that some of us didn't even know existed for success. And there are so many resources out there, whether it is, um, you know, digital boards, uh, Kumo space, uh, which is a a crazy one too, that you can utilize inside Zoom and outside of Zoom that teachers are using that we didn't know even was out there. Well, Dean Rock, we want to thank you for the time. Thank you for uh, uh, helping us uh, celebrate a little bit uh, one uh, semester of the the teacher's journey. So this is this is great. Um, yeah. So just appreciate the time. Thank you both, and uh, you know, keep talking and uh, happy holidays. Start now. Uh, you can start on any holiday you would like, and you can leave it up all year. That's my plug. Absolutely. If it makes you smile, use it. That's all right. right. All right, so thank you for tuning into the teacher's journey, mile markers on the road to better teaching. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when the next episode is ready for you to listen to. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. What a wonderful holiday gift, Joel. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? Maybe out there you you might be ready to start your own journey to better teaching. Uh, You can send an email to Nick Sisk, uh, Nick F at oldmiss.edu. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, he's a school of education admissions counselor to hear about all the options for becoming a teacher or educational leader. Or perhaps you are well into your journey and looking to further advance as a practitioner or researcher in your field. For more information on all our graduate program programs, contact the University of Mississippi School of Education's Graduate Studies Office by sending an email to graduation at olmiss.edu. You can also follow the University of Mississippi School of Education on social media at Ole Miss Ed School on Twitter and Instagram. It's in other places as well. So you can learn more about opportunities like free graduate application weekends, which are uh, spaced throughout the semesters. And also information can be found in the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. And finally, thank you, Dean Rock, for sharing a portion of your journey with us. And thank you to all of you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have been given to teach others. 